0: Hi, my name is Peter Kaiser. I'm the editor-in-chief of Retinal Physician Magazine, and welcome to this issue of the Retinal Physician Podcast. I'm joined today by one of my good friends, Carl O. from Tennessee Retino. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech Ophthalmology. Together with the ophthalmology community, Genentech is committed to changing how we address the leading causes of vision loss for patients. To learn more, visit ophthalmologyvision.com. So today, for our listeners, I thought we'd talk about the Ranibizumab port delivery system. You know, first of all, what
1: is it? The port delivery system is a tiny device that is surgically implanted into the wall of a patient's eyes. It rests in the sclera, and it's filled with a highly concentrated uh, version of Ranibizumab. And it releases this drug into the vitreous cavity for many months, and seems to achieve results that are equivalent to those achieved with monthly injections of ranibizumab.
0: So I've heard that the the procedure is not all that difficult to do, but there are some tips and tricks surrounding the implantation. What are some of those tips, and do you think this is something that any retina specialist would be able to perform?
1: Yeah, the the implantation of the port delivery system uh, device, as well as the refill, are very different than other procedures we do. But the skills necessary to do it well are are well within uh, the grasp of the typical retina surgeon. So it is done um, in an operating room. That is the initial implantation under local anesthesia, like most vitrectomies. It involves a very careful dissection of conjunctiva and tenons. We have to create a nice flap exposing the underlying sclera. Then there's about a 3.2 millimeter uh, incision uh, through a 3.5 millimeter scleral wound into the vitreous cavity. And before we make the final penetrating incision into the vitreous cavity, we use a laser probe to cauterize the pars plana choroid that prevents bleeding at the time of insertion. Then the uh, device which the surgeon has pre-filled with uh, this ranibizumab concentration is basically just pressure fitted into the wound. It has a little bit of an hourglass shape and there are special tools that have been made to grasp the device. uh, that's just placed over the wound, pushed toward the vitreous cavity and released, and then it just seats itself. Uh, then the conjunctiva and tenons has to be really carefully uh, sewn back to cover the device well. So all of these steps are pretty straightforward, but they have to be done in a very careful way to ensure good long-term outcomes.
0: And I think you really highlighted those features. You know the. The safety is important to really control the conjunctiva, have it well-seated, close tenons uh, around the device, uh, and to ensure also lack of bleeding by cauterization. I think these are all things that are pretty simple, as you said, but, but very important to ensure that the implantation goes successfully. Now talk us talk us through sort of what happens at the refill procedures. Is this a an injection that the patients will feel similar to a intravitreal injection is it is it more or less painful uh, kind, of, kind of you've you've been involved in the studies from the very start how do patients feel about that
1: yeah i think the refill to the patient is in some ways less uncomfortable than an intravitreal injection because all we're really penetrating is the conjunctiva and tenons that overlies the device uh, so we're, there's a special Dual lumen needle that goes right into the center of of the, the the flange, the top of the device, and this is used to remove the contents of the uh, PDS and replace it with new drug solutions. So, what a lot of people don't realize is that it's not that the reservoir is emptying itself into the vitreous cavity. Instead, molecules of ranibizumab are moving across a concentration gradient into the vitreous, but the reservoir itself always stays full of liquid. So in order to put new drug into it, you have to remove the drug that's in it. So you can't simply just inject new drug into it, you need this special dual lumen needle that exchanges it. So for the patient, they feel pressure because you have to push this needle in so that it seats uh, firmly against the flange before you begin the exchange procedure, but there's really not uh, the discomfort that some patients will feel during a regular intravitreal injection because we're not actually penetrating the sclera.
0: Is it hard to find that port with that dual needle, or is it something that's pretty easy to find?
1: It's a little tricky until you learn how precise you have to be in the placement of this needle. So unlike an intravitreal injection where there's uh, you know, a fairly reasonably wide area that we can enter the eye safely, and a lot of different angles at which our needle can enter the vitreous cavity. Uh, to refill the port delivery system device, it's very important that the needle be perpendicular and that it enter in this little uh, flange uh, center, the direct center of it. So, unlike uh, intravitreal injections where I'll just use reading glasses or sometimes my naked eye to do the injection. With these refills, I wear illuminated loops to really make sure that I find the center of that flange uh, very exactly and precisely. So there's a little bit of a learning curve. That I hope for new users, that learning has been done by a lot of the investigators already. So by you know you they'll we'll have opportunities to share in the future, videos and things about how to do it correctly and the things that can happen if the physician doesn't uh, take this care to enter perpendicularly and right in the center of the device.
0: So the phase three archway studies uh, were positive, as you mentioned, monthly being similar to the port delivery system. Uh, Talk to me about the refill rate in archway and Were additional injections required? You know, sort of how did did the port delivery system kind of work in Archway?
1: Yeah, it worked really extremely well. Uh, In Archway, the study design was to mandate a refill at the six month visit. So we know from the latter study that many patients actually can probably go longer than six months, but six months was felt to be not an unreasonable treatment burden and felt to be better to go ahead and refill the device while it was still working very well, sort of like you know, putting more gas in your gas tank before you go completely to empty. Uh, there were just a few patients who needed a, a, a refill early, uh, but interestingly, not all, all those on later review were were really even necessary. So, you know, in general, we can say that the number of uh, interventions, you know, refill compared to intravitreal injections is four or five times less than with standard intravitreal injection. So it really, uh, ultimately has a chance to tremendously reduce treatment burden. Of course, in a clinical trial, we're bringing the patients in pretty often just to examine them between these scheduled refills.
0: Yeah, and that brings up the next point, which is let's fast forward uh, maybe next year, maybe the year after, hopefully when when port delivery system is FDA approved. You know, what is the patient that you would really think this is the ideal patient for the PDS?
1: I think the ideal patient at first would be someone who I know responds well to um, anti-VEGF treatment and who seems to need that treatment very frequently to have a good response so that patient who needs every four or five week injections has good vision but if we go a little bit longer tends to reaccumulate fluid and lose vision it also needs to be a patient that has a healthy ocular surface so you really want somebody that's got you know good-looking sclera with good overlying conjunctiva and tenons, not somebody with a really calcified sclera and very thin or atrophic uh, conjunctiva, probably not somebody with a bad, you know, lid retraction or blepharitis, you really want somebody with a, a healthy eye and also a patient who you feel uh, is going to be able to alert you if something changes in the appearance of the eye, because you might not be seeing these patients quite as often. And we have seen in the, in the trials that one of the things that can be a precursor to endophthalmitis is uh, conjunctival retraction or erosion. That happens. Uh, and if it's identified early, can be repaired pretty simply in the operating room. But if it's allowed to go undiscovered and untreated does seem to increase the risk of endophthalmitis.
0: And how do you intend to follow these patients? We know from Archway, you know, most of these patients make it six months. From latter, we know they probably go much longer. And do you anticipate bringing them back, what, three, four months after refill? How how often do you, you really anticipate needing to see the patient?
1: Yeah, need and what I'll do is very, are very different. I think that when I first start doing this, I'll probably see them reasonably often, maybe every couple of months, you know, also with, you know, very good instructions about how to examine their conductive and, and report earlier. But those visits will really be pretty simple visits now for them. So I think they will be, you know, quicker visits, not really as burdensome and the timing won't be nearly as critical. I mean, that's the huge hassle now is worrying that if somebody goes 29 days instead of 28 days, that something may happen to their vision. If you're really bringing somebody in uh, at a couple month interval, mainly to just check the the health of the ocular surface and, and not because you're that worried that something catastrophic will happen to their vision, there's a lot more latitude in scheduling.
0: Well, certainly in the pandemic, we, we could have used something like this for many of our patients who were, were terrified coming. And it also highlights the importance of getting home a good home OCT device uh, up and running quickly, because that would be sort of the perfect foil with the port delivery system. Oh, yeah. Where, where, what's next? Where, what are the other studies that Genentech Roche are doing with this device? And, and where? what other disease processes do we think we'll use it in?
1: Well, there are studies uh, for diabetes uh, and I think for diabetic patients, particularly those who are more often of working age and for whom, you know, coming to the office regularly is really a tremendous uh, hardship. uh, This will be tremendous. And uh, I'm I'm confident that it will likely be uh, as successful for diabetic patients as it has been for those with AMD. Uh, Studies for uh, retinal vein occlusion I'm sure will follow. And there, I think even more interesting will be the ability to put new compounds into this. So if we have a drug that may add a different mechanism of action or have even longer durability, it's just amazing to think how that might uh, work in uh, this platform.
0: Well, certainly very exciting. Carl, thank you for all your work you've done on the port delivery system. And and for being a a good friend. I hope our listeners got a really good overview of the port delivery system, which hopefully we'll be seeing in the very near future. Thank you for joining us today on the Retinal Physician Podcast. This podcast is supported by Genentech Ophthalmology. Genentech continues to work with the ophthalmology community to advance the understanding of serious eye disease, uncover new therapeutic options, and transform patient care. Learn how at ophthalmologyvision.com.